0: in my home right now with our extra with the extra family that are here we we have five wow yeah so
1: we're so we're just so we're just talking about dogs um so that's the that's a great segue to uh introduce (laughs) our (laughs) introduce our social advocacy series um so
2: <laughs> no link. I've got yeah, but no
1: link. No link is just totally random. But thank you yeah. so much for for tuning in today. We've got Lisa Palmer, the chief technical advisor for Splunk, uh, joining us. So thank you so much for joining Sarah and I, Lisa.
0: It's lovely to be here. Thanks for hosting me.
1: Oh, an absolute pleasure. And it's our it's our Christmas festive season. So you'll see that I've got the Christmas jumper on. Um, you can't quite see it, but um, it's of Santa going to the pub. There's lots of yeah. There's uh, Sarah drinking uh, what might be water, or it might be stronger than that. I've got to
2: go to the gym after this, Tim. It's not. It's water.
1: So. Yeah, exactly. It's just water. <laughs> um, anyway, but a, a very warm welcome and and Lisa, we're we're really looking forward to this because you you've had a you you've you've um, got a lot of different roles um, in your career because I saw that you were um, at Microsoft um, in enterprise sales, and you're also a CIO. Uh, CMO, um, doctoral student, and chief technical advisor. So, you know, it's a pretty sort of glittering uh, career. And I would love to understand where social fits in all of that. How did you really um, sort of you know, build your social presence, and and how did social become something which was really, really important? You know, in that sort of career journey.
0: Sure. So, I like to I like to think of my career as more of a Jungle gym than a career ladder, so sometimes, sometimes I've taken uh, side paths versus you know directly up uh, to stay engaged in things that I'm passionate about and inspired by. So, I actually first began interest in social when I was in sales for Microsoft, and it was um, arguably early on for mainstream um sellers to be using uh social as as a tool and i saw so much potential in it and really jumped in particularly into linkedin um, early on and found that it was just such a fantastic tool for for research because i'm a firm believer that we need to understand the people that we are working with and around and selling to and wanting to make sure that I was serving my customers in the best way that I could. And I felt like research around them was a really solid way to do that. And so I, that, that's how I really got started was um, research. And so I, I think of it in this particular fashion, read, engage, post. And that's the, that's the order that I choose to do things in because I feel like listening first or reading um, first is the is the underpinning to really getting the most value from social.
2: Yeah, I, I was just talking to somebody earlier about that actually, about you know getting a good profile, listening. And then engaging in the conversation, whether that's sharing or liking. I I did pick up actually on your profile that you are you have quite a growth mindset, though, don't you? You have a passion for learning and researching. And I and I was a little bit curious. I'm not following the questions in order, but I was quite curious about how social supports your learning path and your learning journey. Because do you find it a place where you learn and find content and
0: Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. As a matter of fact, all of those articles that come out that tell you not to pick up your phone first thing in the morning, I break that rule every single day. Um, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's fantastic advice that just clearly doesn't apply to my world. So I, for, I believe that that's such a powerful way to not only find original content, but to find the cross-sectional thoughts that you get from people in your network that are adding their, uh, you know, their particular viewpoint to content. So I love when somebody will take a a big picture uh, article, like something that comes out of Forbes or HBR and add their own perspective to why they think that matters in the world, because... Every single one of us comes to the table with a truly unique perspective and getting to learn through the eyes of these, this really rich tapestry of people that exist on social. I can't imagine anything more powerful for lifelong learners.
1: Yeah, And I I think, I I think what we've found, Sarah, haven't we, because that's so true, um, Lisa, that Everyone who's been successful on social has a passion for learning. I think yeah. that's been like a, a very common thread. And and I suppose you know people don't necessarily pick up the newspaper nowadays. And you know, with everything changing, then LinkedIn is a lot of people's source of of you know of business news or business relevancy. And uh, and even the people that are not successful or posting on social are, are sort of lurking there, reading, aren't they? Um, quite a lot of the senior execs. So, um, yeah, know, I think that's I think that's really interesting. And I, I I had a question of how much time you you kind of freed up to, to use social. I mean, you're, you're obviously a busy executive um, and you, you know, in. You know, when you're in enterprise sales and Microsoft, you were un- undoubtedly extremely busy then and so time poor. Uh, how how did you create the time, you know, to explore social and to read and to engage?
0: Well, to be uh, completely honest, I use it in every spare moment of my days. So, I I have raised four kids. Um, life very was very busy for me. Uh, as it is for everyone, uh, and any spare moment where you have your phone and you're, you know, you, you need to run to the market, but you're stuck in traffic, you're st- stuck in a parking lot, you're waiting for a child to come out of <laughs> of sports practice, whatever the case may be, I filled that time with learning and engaging on through social and. For me, it was very high return for the moments, those kind of captured, stolen moments that I had available. And uh, when I say return, I mean that I learned at every moment that, uh, you know, anytime you've got the opportunity to, to read, to see what other people care about. I think that as humans, we tend to be what I call inside out thinkers. We're entrenched every day in. My world, my processes, um, my environment, right? And what we can do through the power of social is to flip that perspective and begin to be outside in thinkers. And when you're surrounded by people that aren't in print inside out thinking, you you really are able to rise to the top to bring new ideas to be a valuable contributor in your organization to your customers etc by bringing that outside in perspective and i get that from social
2: i think you know that's a, i love that point actually because um I, I know a lot of executives and leaders, they do th- use time as a bit of a factor. It's like, you know, I just don't have the time for it. And, and I always think, well, I'm not sure you really understand the value of it, actually, because if you understood the value that you could get from it, then you'd make time. And I, and I also think it's not until you're a parent that you realise how much spare time you had before you had kids. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you, but yeah, one feels you never think you can fit another one in and then you have two and then you have three. Or in your case, Lisa, you have four don't know how you did that um so yeah so I love that idea about you know time and you know the inside out and outside flipping the perspective I, I'd be curious to know then other executives and leaders um that you how what would you say to them that, that you know people that are perhaps a little bit on the edge of oh I know I need to be on social but I don't quite I don't really know how to be is quite often the question or i don't i don't know how to be and i don't know what my content should be i don't know what i should share people aren't interested in what i have to share how would you answer that lisa
0: well i think as executives it is our responsibility to continually be uh abreast of what's happening in our marketplace what what challenges are our customers facing what Uh, headwinds do we have? And what are others doing to creatively problem solve? And the social gives us that opportunity to see and experience what's happening in the marketplace live, as well as to engage with those people who are predicting what's coming next. And so as executives, I feel like it is our responsibility to get plugged into social as part of your learning uh, your daily learning journey and your responsibilities in guiding your organizations forward. So, for those that are learning, that see learning as a valuable portion of their role, irrespective of what level of the organization you're in, if you think learning matters, then you need to be on social. Um, and then, it, as far as how do you get started, I like this read, engage, post. In that order, Uh, if you get comfortable reading, I call that listening from a social perspective. If you're first comfortable reading and then you start to and when I say engage, like or comment on something somebody else is saying, I had this described to me and I, I love this, that if you go and comment on something somebody else posted, it's sort of like walking up at a dinner party and joining somebody else's conversation versus if you post something yourself you're kind of standing over in the corner going hey come and come and talk to me <laughs> and i i love the visualization of that because i think people are much more comfortable walking up and joining that conversation than starting their own so read engage read engage post
1: yeah no i, I think i think uh, th- th- that's a good mantra for anyone to to adopt and uh, and uh, I see that Adams joined uh, uh, from from NYC, and uh, he totally agrees with your perspective, Lisa. And, and he said that not all advice is necessarily good or appropriate. So I guess he was talking about your your initial uh, advice about not picking up the phone. Um, you know, I, I think I think it seems so simple when you're saying because you totally get it, and you and you you have that desire to learn, and and you make time for it. Um, are you saying that? across the tech industry? Do you, do you see that a lot of executives you know, get it like that? Or do you think there's just so much more education needed to, to actually show the value, like Sarah said?
0: I think it's happening in pockets. Some individuals are really embracing social and moving there. I also see that they're isn't necessarily an understanding to Sarah's point by many executives about what the value proposition is for them. And I I would say that this idea of learning via social is probably the thing that will flip the switch for executives to make that shift. So if they are currently primarily learning through reading books or primarily learning through um, reading reading particular news uh, newspapers or uh, whatever their style is that they've developed over time, that moving that, evolving into adding a little bit of social into that learning every day, I think is the way for us to start to help them to see more value in social, that it's not just a matter of, uh, I think people have this... Um, this picture of social as sort of something you do to waste time. I actually had to counsel uh, a leader recently who told his sellers that they were not allowed, and this was not in my organization, by the way, uh, but he had told his sellers that they were not allowed to be on social during work hours. And I just found that kind of shocking that in today's times that you wouldn't see the value, particularly for your sellers in getting your brand out into the world and having them actively engaged. So I think that there's still, you know, we're evolving. It's a journey and there is progress being made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, go on, Tim. Well, so I was just going
1: to say that because you produced a study into into you know how what percentage of executives are seeing the value connecting up the business value mm. to their social account didn't you and, and that was the that was the key stat that i took out of it that that, that just didn't get through yet and what i love about yeah. lisa's point is it's not starting off with the business value in terms of sales revenue it's starting off with learning and i just thought that was an interesting point f- through yeah. the study that you've done as well through tribals tribals yeah. uh, good research.
2: Yeah, I don't think executives are connected. The thing is, it's all connected to culture as well, and learn. You know, and this is what I was quite interested about your profile because you talk about this passion for learning, and that's connected to growth mindset and growth culture. And and you know, if you don't have that kind of across the company. Then you are going to come down with. it. Well, don't want you wasting time on social media. It's like, whoa, it's not wasting time. It's about building relationships. It's about connecting conversations, collaborating, innovating. You know, it's all. It's a much bigger. It's a much bigger thing than just posting content out there. And I don't think there's enough conversation about social being a learning tool rather than just a, you know, it, everybody seems to think it's a bit of an amplification tool. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, for me that. That's the power to it is that I really think of it as part of my ongoing lifelong learner responsibilities to myself and to my organization. And that I think if we if we put it in the lens of learning versus pushing revenue, and I, I, I don't fault people for doing that. There's there's power in the tool for that too. Um, however, I think that to get really truly mainstream acceptance of social. The focus needs to be more on learning and sharing and collaborating and overall growth for all involved than on revenue generation. Now, having said that, I have a tremendous amount of revenue opportunity that becomes that comes to me that is inbound as a direct result of my engagement on social. So the the value proposition from a revenue perspective is definitely there. I just don't think that that's the tipping point tool that will get us to more understanding and engagement from uh, from executives as well as kind of flipping this culture uh issue that sarah just identified
1: yeah i think i think that's sometimes the crux of it isn't it because i i meet senior executives that say i've been told that i gotta write four blog posts a month or or four a quarter or something like that, and they're either doing it because they get told to do it or because they think, okay, um, I hope this delivers some kind of revenue within, within the sort of key top 20 accounts or something like that. And so starting off with that kind of mindset means that you're doing it because you're asked to do it or you hope that it has some direct value, whereas you're getting the value from it, but it comes at the, you know, not on the first month of the journey, but a bit further down. Um, which is difficult to present a business case to for busy execs when there there isn't that culture. So i I, I guess that I guess that's the interesting conundrum that I see, yeah you know, with the with the conversations.
0: Well, so for me, one of the most important things, Tim, is, right now, for example, imagine the power that a strong brand from your leadership team has in recruiting and retention. Oh, yes.
2: Oh, yes. Let's talk about that, Lisa. Go on.
0: <laughs> I, I feel really passionately about this. I mean, we're looking, we, we see this happening. We've got this um, great shuffle of resources that are happening. And And we know how serious this issue is for our uh, for all of our businesses and the impact on our customers when we have retention challenges. And no one wants that. So imagine the power of those individuals that have a really strong public brand from a social perspective. It's easier for you to attract and retain talent when people feel like they know they've got some kind of an understanding of who your leaders are and not necessarily in the shiniest way. So uh, I'll tell you that some of my top performing posts are things where I tell them what a hot mess my life can be sometimes in trying to get things done. And I really let people see behind the curtain around what uh, challenges I face in trying to get my dissertation done and trying to write a book and all of the learning journey that I go through and doing these things, those um, those are really uh, high engagement posts, which tells me that people want to see that. They want to know who you are as an individual, and I feel like um, letting them see who you are, both the pros and the cons, the challenges and the opportunities. Really helps to let, get attract people to want to work with you.
2: I'm going to say the A word. It's all about authenticity, yeah. isn't it, Tim? Ding, ding. And we have to get that in. But it absolutely is true, though, isn't it? Just, I, I just love what you've just explained there, Lisa. It is so true. But, you know, I do wonder that I do think a lot of people have that challenge because they don't, they're a bit afraid to op- open up the curtain, if you like there is a bit of resistance to that because they're kind of like, well, this is my work persona. and This is my family persona. And I don't really want the two mixing.
0: Well, I would say that I um, was right at the forefront. I was that person. I was that individual. And I've always been very careful to curate my work life and my home life. And I really had a pretty strong boundary between them for many, many years. And Actually, every year I take on an annual theme word, and two years ago it occurs to me that I am at a different point in my career, and I need to be more authentic myself so that other women can see that it's possible. I'm I'm a huge proponent for women, particularly women in tech, and trying to, um, you know, raise raise everyone um, together. I don't feel like we need to repress one group of people to help another group succeed. And, and you know, so I really am looking for this opportunity to elevate women while uh, really in strong allyship with the wonderful men that I work with as well. So I, as I was going through my annual theme process, I landed on my voice. I'm an introvert. I'm an engineer. I am all of those things that say, oh, I don't, I don't want to uh, I don't want to give too much information about my personal life. And when I decided to do this, this was my way of helping others. I really wanted to make it easier for the women who come behind me. I want to make it easier for men uh, who are working with women to understand some of the challenges that they face and to build more empathy kind of a, a, uh, between us and So I did this. I I took on the annual theme of my voice. And this happened right as the pandemic was really taking off in the U.S. And as a result of that, I ended up on dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts, which was totally foreign to me. I had never been this open um, in, in external dialogue before. Uh, without scripts and without executive communications and without all of those tools that make us uh, that make us shiny uh, in the way that we externally interact and uh, I have found that journey to be challenging to be honest i mean i I was so uncomfortable at first and then it gets easier and you realize that people don't they don't expect you to be other anything other than just human. And they want to know who you are as an individual. And it's a journey. And I will tell you that I still, I still struggle. I actually had not posted anything about the, the work that I'm doing on my doctorate degree or on my book. And one of my friends was like, you should tell people um, what it's like. I mean, I'm curious. She said, other people will be curious what it's like that haven't taken that path. And they might be more willing to do it if they see that it's not, you know, that it's that there are struggles involved and you're uh, overcoming them one by one. And so all of that has been a journey for me. And I continue, um, I continue to fight my tendencies to make everything, you know, perfect and shiny and and not uh, have any flaws in, in what I present. And I, but I'm definitely seeing the reward and the level of engagement that I get. And as my authenticity online grows.
1: Yeah, I, I think amazing. I think that's just—it's really, really powerful. It's lovely to hear the hear the story and the women in tape movement. And I know there's lots of wonderful organisations behind that now. It's just you know so amazing to see. Uh, can you give us a few examples of some of the reactions you've had to that? Because I imagine over the past few years, they've uh, that that there've been some really amazing moments you know, where you just you know, felt like you. Know, that kind of slightly uncomfortable transition at the beginning was was worth it, and you feel like you're making a difference.
0: I have um, I have women reach out to me. I have I have men reach out to me, largely through uh, direct messages. I use LinkedIn as my primary as my primary social tool. I have others as well, but it's where I interact the most. And I have had fantastic conversations with women who have told me that it made them feel emboldened. It made them feel braver. I've been able, because they reached out to me, I've been able to help them connect to job opportunities, to educational opportunities, to uh, funding for women uh, who are looking to grow their own businesses, uh, you know, connecting them with with private equity and funding. And I've just had these fantastic opportunities to elevate others as a result of, I think, making myself seem more accessible. And as individuals, you know, you, you don't realize that you have a persona um, that can be, that people think that you're out of touch—that you're not going to be somebody that is just a regular person that could that would chat with them or care about what happens in, in their lives and and work with them—and that to me just seemed crazy. I I'm super open and I love to help people and I I would be uh, genuinely pleased for people to do that, but no one knew that until I changed the way I was interacting externally. So. I have had everything happen from uh, helping individuals to launch their own businesses, to um, move themselves into new jobs. I, I uh, actually spoke with one woman who decided that she was gonna drop out of the workforce for a while and focus on her family. And I—and she, f- I think, felt better about that after our conversation. And those, all of those things across the human spectrum um, and many others. It's been incredibly rewarding for me to be able to, I, you know, share that it's hard. It's hard to be a working mom. It's incredibly hard. And sometimes I was just a giant failure in the moment, right? And or I would always say that I, I'm spinning plates all the time, and I dropped that one, right? Um, and I, I think it's important to know that you can do that, and you can still be successful as both a as both a parent, a family member, and and a, uh, an, and be a good employee.
2: Yeah, I think my defining moment as a parent was when I when I took the wrong child to a party. Um, so, and you turn up and the, the thing is, you're just juggling so many things and you end up just taking, oh, Tim, I was like, hold on a minute, is this your friend then? No, it's not. Okay. Let's go and get the right child. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go home
0: and collect, collect the correct child for this party. Oh. I love I, that. I once, uh, I once ended up at work with the same shoe, but different colors and I took one child to the, uh, on the same day, and I took one child to the wrong location on the way to work. So, um, <laughs> Oh, i
2: love oh, yeah. loving this. I've turned up at the wrong wedding before as well. And I, I mean, it's not until they called us to be in the picture that I said to my husband, I don't recognize this bride and groom. And <laughs> so been, yeah. we've been, we've been, we noticed where the wedding was. It was at the next hotel along. But yeah, I, I, like, but
1: I think it, it, it's changed so much, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know, when when speaking to to my peers that were feeling like the top top execs were were out of touch and didn't know what was going on, you know, down on the ground, they were making big decisions in global tech firms, but but they just were out of touch with what was really really important. And what we're talking about here is top executives being accessible and being relevant. And actually, everyone having a persona because it's not that person that shows up in, um, in, in in a suit or or or, uh, or, or extremely well dressed. It's about just you know opening your lives up to people and and juggling a load of balls and and having some really really tricky days. And it's just it's just so different, isn't it? Now and and actually yeah. that uh, yeah and actually the people that that are kind of being more open are being more successful as well. Um, because like you said, Lisa, I I love the conversation about, um, about HR and sort of retention policies and, and, you know, through our conversation, Sarah, with, um, this particular series, um, the, 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 the recruitment and retention conversation has, 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 you know, skyrocketed in the past six months. It wasn't really what we talked about, um, sort of, you know, 15 to 18 months ago, and now it's at the forefront of people's, people's minds. So it's changing so fast. It's, uh. But I think there's so much good in it.
0: yes, I, I think so too. And this idea of uh, being out of touch, imagine the the difference if you are sort of your ear to the ground is what social gives you, right? And as executives, we're always looking for those opportunities to really understand more about. What's happening with your customers? What's happening in the trenches with your staff? I mean, we need to know those things. And social gives you a view into that. Without you having to set up focus groups and studies and all of these other things, social gives you an immediate view into that. I have become a huge fan of Slack communities. And the Slack communities just give you such a powerful view into what is happening with these particular groups of people. And they're so open, so genuine, so authentic with the challenges that they have. And from from a retention and attraction perspective, I've learned more about what it's like for individuals at these different stages in their career in today's times than I ever would have been able to discover on my own because people always filter what they share with me. They're afraid to really tell you what it's like in person. And yet you can get entrenched in those Slack communities and really experience with them what their lives are like and build policies that will help them to succeed. Nice, good
2: so i I was just going to say that actually it's about keeping an ear to the market but it's also about keeping an ear to your employee community and they expect it because there was a survey i can't remember who it was that did it now but they you know the amount of employees that are checking out your brand before they even join your business um before they even apply for the role they're looking to see how transparent their leadership is how accessible their leadership is um, but it's also, you know, customers expect it too, um, increasingly so. So I think it's fabulous. I did have a quick question for you that I'm really curious about. You wear a lot of hats, Lisa. You've got you know, you've got marketing, technical, um, you're writing a book, you're studying. Um, how do you do you have a content strategy? Do you think oh this week i must share something around this or do do you think like that or is it more you know i feel that this is the right thing to share at the moment
0: i this has also been a journey for me i tried to do a very formal content management strategy for about a year and i planned it ahead of time i was very purposeful about the content that i was both creating and sharing and I found that it really decreased my authenticity. And I've really, I, I and I do believe that that's where the differentiation is in engagement and people really being interested in, in your point of view. And so I've moved away from that. And I focus on things that inspire me, things that capture my imagination. And then I look for, what can I add, what's the color that I can add to that content that brings my unique lens to the table? And I feel like that that's a strategy that anyone can employ. What what content do you read, do you find, do, do you engage with that really inspires you or captures your imagination? And then why does it, how do you see that applying in the world? What problems do you see that solving? And I have found that using that particular approach is um, much more effective in getting people to engage with me. And now, of course, from a content creation perspective, when I'm doing true thought leadership content, the reality is, is that all of these things that I've read and consumed and and watched, uh, you know, watched LinkedIn lives and watched all these different sources, that's all in there right? That's feeding the way that I'm creating thought leadership pieces. And so that's creating um, my particular perspective as I'm writing my book, for example. And I have, I have had four really high impact conversations with individuals surrounding the topic of my book that have tangentially impacted what I'm going to write that all came from social. I would have never met these individuals without it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah i, th- I think it, i think it's great because a lot of the people that we've interviewed have as some people are very strategic and very regimented and other people just just uh, feed off inspiration and would never even you know think about a content plan um so i love that it's just turned into the inspiring nature of like as and when you want to talk about it and uh and and to sort of you know, to to engage you know with like who you want to at the at the given moment. I was interested to know you, you talked about LinkedIn and Slack communities. Are you doing anything on I, I know you have a presence on Twitter. How do you use Twitter compared to LinkedIn and Slack communities? And do you look at TikTok or any other channels or don't you have time for
0: uh for those? Okay, first of all, I'm dying to do something on TikTok. I just love, 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 love the platform. Uh yeah that i have been kicking that around for several weeks now about what i what i want to do there so um excited to i think that platform has so much potential in this moment because it is exactly the kind of quick content that we have all become accustomed to and and have started to embrace as a result of the pandemic i think it's that our attention spans are short, our time is very short, and anyway, I I I am really bullish about what is possible with uh, with TikTok. So dying to get started there. As far as how do I use Twitter versus uh, versus LinkedIn, I I like to I do a lot of reading on Twitter. I think there is a tremendous amount of content available on Twitter. I. Do not tend to engage from a comments perspective much on Twitter. It seems like it more quickly becomes debates, like political debates or topical debates, or uh, it seems like the conversations can go in a way that isn't super productive much quicker on Twitter. So, but I find it to be a fantastic source of credible information, a lot of influencers and thought leaders post content on Twitter. so I do a lot of reading on Twitter. Uh, also find direct messaging <clears throat> pardon me. So for example, I've I've done quite a lot on clubhouse. I find the I find the medium to be conducive to a lot of just super open sharing of information and really, deep collaboration i think that it is largely because it's not video and people feel much more free to engage for whatever reason so anyway what i have found is teaming uh clubhouse with twitter and being able to use it for direct messaging with groups that we are pulling together for different clubhouse conversations etc can be that can be really powerful And and then on uh, from a LinkedIn perspective, it's where I tend to engage the most um, with other people's content.
1: Interesting. No, I I think I think that's a really good really good joined up strategy. Really interesting to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, and also the way you've it feels like it's really embedded in your day. You don't have any strict routines. It's just. It's just part of your routine. It, like you said, any spare moment, you're just like, "Okay, see what's going on over here," and yeah, it's habit, I guess. I suppose
1: it's how, having kids. You get all these pockets of five or ten minutes where you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> yes. So it's, uh, it's it's a perfect it's a perfect time.
0: <laughs> I have a habit of filling moments with learning, and that because, you know, learning can be done in moments. It doesn't have to be done. And don't get me wrong, when I'm working on my dissertation, it's not taking moments. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, But I think that that ongoing learning is so possible for all of us, if you get in the habit of filling those moments with learning. I like to fill moments. um, This is a, a funny story that I tell that I have a I have this horrible pop dot thing on the back of my phone, All right? This is there uh, because I like to listen to, I like to listen to books in the shower. I do. I, I love audible and I had figured out that that was like 20 minutes of time. I could be learning something. And so I um, put a dot on the wall and I go in there and I hang my phone and I, I listen to audible when I, when I'm showering. And so Those are the that's the kind of thing that from a learning perspective, it's so habitual for me. I'm always looking for those moments that I can fill with opportunity to hear from others and to learn from their journeys and um, and to really engage outside of my daily environment. I'm looking for ways to get that outside in perspective. Wow, you really do
2: fill every moment, don't you? I've just discovered loads more moments that I never knew I had. <laughs> I I've been complaining. I don't have any time and I really haven't filled all my well, time. Sorry,
1: it's five minutes until your until your personal training session. So you've got so you've got five minutes to learn something new between then. Don't, 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 don't just make a cup of tea or something like that. You know, um obviously use it use it more wisely.
2: <laughs> oh, this personal trainer honestly this is a new thing for me i've never tried it before but all i can say is for four days after i just can't move so um <laughs> i th- i guess it must be working <laughs> <laughs> or i'm very unfit <laughs> so, Oh uh, dear!
1: well th- th- thank you lisa so much for coming on to, to speak to us i know that we're we're pretty much up against time uh it's just been quite often sarah and i have a lot of questions that we ask about you know, sort of audience sizes and channels, but it was just very inspiring to hear your your learning journey and the and the inspiration around around the women in tech and just making executives relevant and just getting into the habit of of doing that. I think that was just so powerful. So we just you know, loved staying on that theme.
0: Well, it's really been a pleasure to to talk with you both. I think that there's so much potential for social to help to close some of the gaps that have been opened um, from a societal perspective. And I I think that if we use it, if we approach things with this spirit of learning and seeking first to understand, we can, uh, you know, we can create a better world. I really, I really believe that.
2: Wonderful.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I've really enjoyed that Lisa. I've really taken, I've taken a few quotes from this, but culture, Learning, filling moments with learning, the inside out to the outside in perspective. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Really, really powerful. And and it and for and for those that have been watching, thank you for your comments and your questions and things as well. So um, and for anybody else that wants, we will put this on our websites. So if you go on to tip uh on Williams.com. I was gonna yeah, say, that,
1: that, uh, I haven't <laughs> And someone would probably have created that because I've got a very common name, so uh, but, so don't go there. <laughs>
2: don't go there. Don't go there if you're watching the recording. Go to onalisticia.com or tribalimpact.com. in the resources section. You'll find this. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. Really appreciate your time. So.
0: It's really been my pleasure, and thank you for uh, for showcasing me earlier this year on your AI list. I was really uh, really pleased to be there. Honored to be among so many greats in that space. So. I, I genuinely appreciate the, the call out, and I want to offer to your uh, to any of your listeners, please connect with me, um, direct message me. I, we've mentioned some of the platforms that I use. I'm very accessible and would would love to know you. Wow,
2: wonderful. Amazing. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye.